0: great to be together today. It's awesome to see your, your smiling faces. You guys sound amazing. And there's certain days that we come together that are more special than others. And today is a special day. Sometimes you come to church, you never know who's going to show up, right? Somebody surprises you. And I had a little surprise today. My good buddy, Dave Mitchell, uh, here visiting from the New York church. Stand up for a second there, bro. Uh You know, when you're uh, becoming a Christian, everybody plays a role, right? You learn something from each person that's there, and if they weren't there, it would be a lot different. Well, Dave and his best friend Chip uh, taught me that disciples are cool, right? I was going to church for about six weeks, and I was meeting some interesting people. Uh, They knew a lot about the Bible. Uh, They were very spiritual, righteous people. Uh, but they weren't really my people. Uh, and so uh, at, a, at a retreat up in New Hampshire, I met Dave and Chip. Uh, they, were, they played football at UMass Amherst. And if you care, they were the Yankee Conference champions there. Uh, so they got a ring and everything. But uh, just meeting them the day before I was baptized, it was kind of like the last little hump. We had a little campus football game. And I remember uh, I was trying to cover Chip, which was not really happening. I had to cheat quite a bit. Uh, but just feeling like, wow, there's some cool people in this church. And it was kind of their example that gave me the inspiration to say, you know what, I can do this. And, and God really, uh, we've been friends ever since, him and his wife Margie, his family, it's amazing to have you here. Uh, I, I'm still mad at you for not telling me you we're coming, but uh, he just showed up, and uh, we're encouraged and uh, look forward to, you know, you never know what God's going to do. And you never know whose day you're going to brighten because you show up, because you're there, because you're a part of their lives. And today we're going to be talking about new beginnings. And uh, the last few weeks we talked about the passion of Christ going to the cross. And last week Jake did an amazing job talking about the power of the resurrection and our 40 days fighting for faith. And as he went through and talked about Peter and Thomas, and their struggle to to believe and and just to to really grasp what God was doing in their lives, and I'm excited today to be able to talk about new beginnings, and we had somewhat of a new beginning yesterday. Uh, Ronnie and Arcee renewed their vows after 25 years. I was commenting about this yesterday, but she wore the same dress minus the sleeves, had the big puppy sleeves, which she took care of, but uh, that was pretty awesome. Uh, and, and just hearing their story and man, it was amazing. God, the way God has brought them through the last twenty-five years. Uh, so many people they start that journey and they never get to finish it uh, because God's not influencing their lives in an amazing way. Uh, and their their awesome family, their kids shared, and we were all crying uh, yesterday. They were the, the the stars of the show. Uh, for sure, we had a picture of them with all the brothers and mom and dad and sisters, and uh, you know, uh, if you're visiting here with us, they're kind of like a pretty famous family in our church here, uh, the seven Hernandez siblings uh, and their spouses who are not uh, pictured here, but that all the siblings became uh, disciples, true Christians. And uh, really uh, amazing to see uh, how God has used them. So it was kind of a new beginning. You start your second 25 years of marriage and uh, really the challenge to keep God involved in your life wherever you're at. And I pray that, uh, that we can all have uh, share in that. Those of you who are married can make it to 25 and beyond. And uh, more importantly, that we can stay faithful to God for 25 and beyond. So let's start with a prayer and then uh, we'll, get, we'll get started here. Uh, Father, we thank you for the blessings of your kingdom. Thank you that you take care of us and you lead us through this life, God, that we don't know where we're going sometimes. Uh, as many people didn't think that Ronnie and R.C. were going to make it 25 years, uh, but because of your hand, they were, they were able to, and because of your grace. God, I pray that for the next uh, few minutes, as we look into your word, that you'll get me out of the way, that you'll open up our hearts to your word, and you'll really speak to us in a powerful way, through your word and through your spirit. We love you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 And I want to share with you a picture that I, I came across a couple of weeks ago. I actually took this picture at my house. And it was so cool. We found there was a nest near our garage. And I, went, I put my iPhone in there, and I just was going to take a picture. And they were all huddled up. And when I put my iPhone in there, they all looked up like this. And I was like, wow, this is like... National Geographic quality, (laughs) uh, at least for my standards. And, uh, you know, it's spring in the desert. I didn't know that we had spring in the desert, but now I do. You know, it's kind of like not as hot and really hot. And the not as hot, that's the summer, that's the springtime, you know. So I'm figuring out a few things. So I've been looking around. Nikki always tells me about the amazing uh, spring up in Joshua Tree. And when the flowers are all blooming, are they blooming yet? They're blooming. Okay, well, we're going to go take a, take a look at them there. I uh, already got plans. Uh, Drew and I are going to go up there and check them out. But sometimes things are happening around us that we just miss. You know, we're not paying attention. We're just going about our day, and you miss the bird's nest by the garage. You know, uh, I've got a picture of my acatillo in bloom. That was pretty cool. Just new life. God reminding us, my neighbor actually does a better job with his, so I, oh no, where's his? I took a picture of his, because he's got like five blooms, and I just have one. Uh, so he's, he's awesome, more awesome at the gardening than I am, but uh, some of us, as spring comes around, we're still looking like this, though. This, he hasn't got the memo that it's spring yet. You know that we're all in different places. God is trying to help us to grow and and do beautiful things and yet sometimes we're still looking around going, "Hey, what about me? I'm still stuck. I'm not going anywhere. I don't have any flowers. I'm just this ugly thorny thing here." You know, and without God, that's how we can all be. We can be stuck, we can be dead. As the scripture that Cal even read earlier, without him, we can do nothing. That we're trying, but it's not working. And, and God is trying to help us to start over again and again. So, whether you're here for the first time, I pray that you leave here feeling like, wow, I can change. Amen. Or whether you're here for the thousandth time, sometimes that's even harder to leave feeling, wow, I can change whatever God is trying to get me to change. So, turn over to Acts chapter 1. New beginnings. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked, Lord, at this time, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the dates the father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And he said, after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes. And a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up to the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who was taken from you into heaven will come back to you in the same way you have seen him go up to heaven. So imagine being there and they still, they're not quite understanding what kind of kingdom Jesus is coming to bring an eternal kingdom. They still don't get it. And many of you have seen this scripture hundreds of times. You've shared it with others. You've talked about the kingdom of God. But imagine being there and seeing Jesus raised up into the clouds and you just see this guy just going up and he just goes up and then all of a sudden you can't see him. And then the angels are there and they tell you that he's going to come back in the exact same way that you saw him leave. I mean, imagine you're having your quiet time the next day, you're looking up going, okay, is he going to come back? I mean, the guy. it was a the fact. They said, they promised, this is going to happen. And, and imagine them just walking around, and they see the clouds. They start looking up, going, I wonder when that's going to happen. That's what it was like in the first century. That's why they thought that he was coming back any minute. Because he appeared with them for 40 days. So I don't know, if I were them, maybe after another 40, I'd be going, okay, is he going to come back now? Sure. His ministry was three years. So we'd be trying to figure out, okay, so maybe three years later he's going to come back. Okay, that didn't happen. Well, he lived to be 33, so maybe 33 years from now, he's going to come back. And just with that expectation that Jesus is real and he's going to do what he said he was going to do. You know, my first point is Jesus' new beginning. You know, when he, he left, he, he, he already had all the titles you could ever have. He was the Lord of Lords. He was the king of kings. He was the creator. He was the alpha. He was the omega. He was everything. But the one thing that he didn't have, oh, skipped ahead. One thing that he didn't have, he, he, this was the first time that he conquered death once and for all, that he conquered sin and he conquered Satan. So it was a new beginning for Jesus. He was going back to sit down on his throne, but something special had happened. And he was excited to share it with all of us. But he came to give new life to the world. He came to give people the, the new birth that he had talked about. The new beginnings, the, the change, the repentance. Have you ever known someone that needed a new start? And you just talk to them and you just go, man, I wish you could just start over. You know, people, someone that's just wrecked their lives, or maybe just wrecked a part of their lives, and you're just like, yeah, I, I wish you could do that again. You know, I had that happen to me this week, talking to a friend of mine, and about my age. And just after he left, I just remember just being moved almost to tears, just thinking, man, 50 years old, and you're still stuck. You're still stuck in all the same things that you probably did when you were 20. You still got addictions in your life. You still got problems. And your wife's there smiling, but is she really smiling? And I just remember feeling, man, you need a new life. And that was so different because in the church there, before they could just bring people to Jesus. Okay, you're, you, you got problems? Well, I got the guy. He's going to fix all your problems. Let's just go and get with this guy. It doesn't matter. You don't know who he is. He's from Galilee. You don't like Galileans. But this guy is awesome. But now it was a new thing where they couldn't do that anymore. So they brought people to each other. So they prayed for each other. They brought people to church. They brought people around the disciples. And yes, some of them could do miracles. But it wasn't with Jesus there. That's kind of what we're doing. Yeah, I know you need a new start. I know I need a new start. And I know where to get it. But I have no idea what that looks like. I don't have all the answers of how it's going to happen, but I know who you need to talk to. I know who can do anything but I'm not sure if he's going to do it for you right now or if it's going to take a while. And that's the amazing thing about being with Jesus now is that we don't have all the answers, but we know where to go. You know, somebody got a picture of Jesus going up to heaven. Maybe with an iPhone it would look like this. See him? He's, He's right there. He's going up. A new beginning starting. And I pray that you're ready for a new life. Because that's what we were talking about last week and we're still talking about that. And that's what Jesus is always talking about. Starting over with the new life. Turn over to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 verse 14. He said, Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Jesus came to give them, point number two, new vision. He came then to help them see something that they never imagined. That they didn't work for. That they didn't even know what it was going to be like. That it was from God. You know, there's sometimes when we have dreams and we have visions, but they're kind of from us. You know, we want to get a good job. You know, we want to get married, or we want to have kids, or we want to go on a trip. All of those things have one thing in common. They're not miraculous. There's nothing, it is special, but there's really nothing special about them spiritually. And sometimes we live our lives by these earthly dreams thinking that they're going to really inspire us. That they're going to do it for us. And yet here, God did something miraculous that they couldn't even imagine. That it was like being in a tornado with fire coming down on all of us. And all of us speaking in languages that we never heard. Men and women, young and old. And there being thousands of people around us just amazed by what God was doing. Sons and daughters, young and old, miracles, and the Holy Spirit was finally here. It was focused on Jesus. We don't know what they were saying. We know they were talking about Jesus later. I'm sure they were talking about Jesus then. So it was focused on Jesus, and they were people seeking God and salvation. And really, the dreams that God wants to give us are not the physical dreams that we may look for. But the spiritual dreams that involve him, that involve Jesus, and involve people seeking God and finding him. That are miraculous. You know, I don't know what your vision is for your life today. But if it's not from God, it's not what God wants for you. He wants us, to, he may want us to have all those earthly things, but he has something so much, you ever feel that way? Wait. What does God want from my life? What is the big picture purpose that he has for me? Why not me? And why not you? Why can't you have a vision from God? Something that you can't explain, something that he gives you personally that motivates you and and moves you to new ways and new heights. You know, sometimes we get stuck in the same old, same old continuum. We get up and we do all the same chores and we do all the same thing. We empty the dishwasher and we put the coffee pot on and we feed the dogs and we get the kids ready for school and we leave at 8.15 and we go to work and we make a few comments to our coworkers and we get through that and we get to lunch and blah, 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 blah. And I think God puts that in our lives so we will get so sick of that (laughs) that we'll start asking ourselves, are you serious? Is this it? Am I going to do this for my whole life? Because that's not fun. He's trying to help us to see that there's something greater for your life. When was the last time you asked God to change your life or do something greater today, tomorrow? Start asking God, change my life. And He'll do it. Change my situation. Sometimes He'll do that. Change me and give me the strength to live out what you want for me, I know he'll do that. Sometimes we're looking for things to change, and God is looking for us to change. To have new wisdom and new faith and new insight for exactly the situation that I'm in. I don't need a change from outside, I need a change from inside. If God tells me to go a certain way, I'm going to go. It doesn't matter how hard it is. If I'm convinced that God wants me to go a certain way, I'm going to go. The problem is I'm not convinced all the time. And I go through it. I'm like, oh, God, what do you want me to do today? I haven't the foggiest idea. (laughs) What's the priority of this week? I don't know. What's God's priority for this week? That's what I want to know. When I got that down, then I feel, then I'm fired up. Sometimes we're looking for a new vision, but we're not looking spiritually. They were praying for like 10 days straight. I don't know if they were fasting, but they probably were. They were reading the scriptures. They were looking for something that Jesus said was coming in a few days. You know, I was inspired just even little things that can inspire us. Last night, my wife, we got home after an extremely long day. I wasn't too fired up at that time. I was, you know how you are at the end of the day. It's like, I hope people don't ask me anything before I get to my bed. And she's like, hey, do you want to pray outside? And I wasn't too fired up about it, to be honest. But I hit me. I was like, wow, we don't do this. This isn't a regular thing. You might, if you're not married, you probably think that, We have this heavenly prayer every night before bed, and it's like this spiritual nirvana. Uh, But that's not true. And so I felt like, you know what? If we're going to... And she wasn't praying because anybody was going to ask her about it, because anybody even knew. It was just because we need it. Because we are beaten down, and we need it at the end of the day. We're not depressed, but we were beaten. It was a long day. That's why we need to be filled up. You know, it is time for us to pray that God will fill us up. That he will continue to let us be poured out so that we can be filled up. So that we can be closer to God. If we want him to give new visions to us, why would he give it to you if you're not spiritual? If you're not asking If you're not really going after him, I mean, it's kind of a waste to give a dream to somebody who's not really going to do anything with it, who's not really spiritually ready for it. I mean, I want to be someone that's ready for what God has coming my way. Your desire to change must be greater than your desire to stay the same. If you're not willing to step out you probably won't but God wants you to so I pray that you decide, hey God, use me. Why not me? Why can't I do something great for you this week? Why can't you use me? Those are the kind of prayers that I think God loves. Let's go to Acts uh, chapter 2, the end of the chapter. New vision. And it's just it's just fun to live with vision. It's fun to live by faith. You know, when you live by faith, it's exciting. You're, you're, you're looking for God in everything. You're, you're full of passion. You're, it's just contagious. You know, to live the same old, same old, it's just depressing. Even when people say that to me, I just don't want to be around them. How you doing? Oh, the same old, same old. I'm like, oh, get away! <laughs> Because it's not inspiring. Acts chapter 2, 42. Many of you have read this a lot. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and signs were performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions and gave to anyone as he had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. My point number three is new relationships. They had new relationships with one another, that they could be called sons and daughters of God. And they were a part of a family. They had a new relationship with God. They had new relationships with their friends and their family. That they were closer than ever before. That they were united, that they were sharing, that they were getting together, they were looking for opportunities to hang out and, and glorify God. They had new relationships with the world where they just weren't thinking about the Jewish people anymore, where they were supposed to be thinking about the entire world. It took them a few years to get that, but God changed everything when he started the church. To understand what true love is, that really protects, trusts, hopes, and perseveres. I don't know about you, but I look for relationships in a lot of wrong places. I look for excitement. I look for fulfillment. I look for love. I look for lust. I look for all kinds of stuff. And my relationships every once in a while would feel like this. Every minute feels like an hour. Every day, hour feels like a day. Every day feels like forever. Forever. But I will wait forever and a day for you. And that's sweet. <laughs> I got a C in economics senior year because of that. I would write notes to this girl every day and not pay attention and just think about how much I loved her and how right for each other we are and how this 45-minute class just seems like an eternity. And it crashed and burned, as they all did, right? Because when you do it your way, it doesn't work. When you do it God's way, it works. When I saw this scripture, what love really is, and I thought about that girl that I wasted my senior year for, I go, we didn't have trust. We didn't have God. We didn't have hope. We didn't have any of these things. And yet somehow it was going to work out. This was going to be like a movie. It was going to be amazing. And some of us, we go through lives, we're, we're addicted to that. In the formal sense, we are addicted to relationships. And we get all fired up And then we get hurt, and then we make a vow, I'm never doing that again. And then that lasts for a while, and then we meet someone else, and then we do it all again. And sometimes it's in bonds of marriage, and sometimes it's not. And we say we know what we're doing, and we say we know what love is. And we go and we listen to the love songs, and then we listen to the heartbreak songs, and we listen to the love songs, and Every Rose Has Its Thorn. You might remember that song. Same girl. You know, we went to Kokomo and then we had Every Rose Had Its Thorn. But just over and over and over. God wants us to break out of that. Amen. Amen. Sometimes he wants you to walk, and other times he wants you to run. And in a group this size, some of us, we're in some bad relationships. And we need to to get out. Or it's going to happen again. Without God, this is not going to work. And I don't know how many times I had to go through that before I finally figured that out. If we don't have God, and we don't have purity, and we don't have trust, then I am wasting my time. That's a big truth. It took me a lot of years to get that. Some people never get it. And yet they understood in the church what true relationships were all about. I had this, this was like, that was probably me in the background. Good girls and problem guys. That was me. So if you are interested in somebody that was like me before I was a Christian, you need to run away. Praise God that we have true love and we can figure out what love is and what unconditional love is and be able to build relationships that really last in the church. That we can trust each other, that there's no, where'd you go? Who are you talking to? Let me see your phone. We've never done that. After 20 years, we've never had to do that because of the relationships built on trust. said they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. To the breaking of bread and to prayer. That they devoted themselves. That no one had to tell them to do this. There was no accountability on this. They just did it because it was a fire in their heart. To read their Bibles, to be at church, to hang out with one another, to pray to God. That was who they were. Some of us, we need that spirit. We need to get that vision and that faith again. That I don't need someone to ask me if I read my Bible every day. Now, I want to encourage and inspire people around me, but that shouldn't be my motivation. I should be in love with God. That's my heart. That's what I do. That's who I am. He says, all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions and gave to anyone who had need. You know, I have seen this in this church so much. It's incredible. The sacrifice for one another, the meals for one another, the the money for one another, the the prayers, the the, the spiritual help. I mean, everybody out there is going like this. Because that's the community. That's what Jesus came to, to give us. That we're all together. You know, I've seen people sell or give cars to one another. Just for nothing. For like a dollar. They transfer the title. It was like a dollar. But just because that's their heart, they want to per- take care of each other. That's the spirit that Jesus gave us. Amen. man, everything I have is from him anyway, so if I give it to you, then it doesn't matter. Because you're my family. You're my brother. You're my sister. You know, they were family. They met together every day in the temple courts. That was where they encouraged each other. They were their best friends. It wasn't their church friends. It was their best friends. Church friends are not best friends. Friends that are there for you through thick and thin, those are the real friends. And through Christ, we have that perseverance, we have that love, we have that commitment and conviction t- towards one another. So they broke bread in their homes. You know, they even had Cliff come by. They had a barbecue together. They went to the Yester's house. You know, they just look for opportunities to hang out. Some of us were not living Christian lives that are very fun, and it's our own fault. We got all the fun right in front of us. Just figure out. What. Let's do it. Let's have a barbecue. Let's have people over. Let's go golfing. Let's let's glorify God together. Let's praise God in every situation. I don't want to just do the same old, same old in my relationships either. But with one another, they they loved each other. You know, you can read 1 Corinthians 12, but it talks all about this. But I wanted to just highlight the part in the middle that says that calls the, the church a body and said its parts should have equal concern for one another. Be family. Take care of one another. If you have a need, I want to meet it. If I have a need, you want to meet it. So if you have a need, you've got to tell people. If something's going on and people don't know, you might struggle that they're not there, but they're not going to know unless you tell them. And you've got to be humble to tell them. Even though we don't like to be weak, we don't like to need help, do we? But you can't be family if you don't ask for help. And you can't be family if you don't help when someone's asking. And yeah, there's a place for tough love, but in general, we want to help. Just like in our physical families. You know, I wanted to talk about something for a minute before we take communion. But this scripture stood out to me in in, uh, Acts 18. It says, Paul stayed in Corinth for some time. Then he left the brothers and sisters and sailed for Syria, accompanied by Priscilla and Aquila. One of the four great cities of the New Testament, Antioch, was in Syria. You know, that's one of the most troubled parts of the world right now. If you're visiting with us, we support about 27 churches in the Middle East and there's about 20 brothers and sisters in Syria right now. And uh, if you're here on Wednesday, you heard that they're going through a lot. They had their houses burned down. They're, they had to flee in the middle of the night to go into the, to the desert. And, uh, you know, I wanted to play you this tape because I know everybody wasn't there uh, on Wednesday night. So I want you to hear. This is the leader, Nadal, in uh, Syria. I sent an email for Mike and Guillermo and Keith informing them the city has fallen and they had to leave part of the disciples stayed and part left the leader and his family left they are now in uh, camps trying to find a shelter for them and another city to live in the church was uh, they stole the church and the house and they burned everything they burned even the church You know, it brings me to tears every time I hear it. I've heard it about ten times now. To know that that's our brothers and sisters there, that, that I feel like I'm watching CNN and they're just giving me an update, listening to what they're going through over there. You know, the brothers and sisters in Syria, I found out yesterday that the brother Nadal, who's there, was actually uh, one of the two guys that was impris- imprisoned by Saddam Hussein back in the late 90s. And if you're new to the church, back in the 90s, there was a a famous video that was going around this guy, Sammy, who was in prison uh, in Iraq, and it it was all subtitled, and he was telling us about his journey, and after seven months, uh, Saddam actually pardoned him and let him go, and he was talking about how they would write scriptures on the walls, how they would just, from all the memorized scriptures that they had, and just the challenges that they went through. And uh, I never knew it, but the brother Nadal, who's in Syria now, was the other brother who didn't make it on the video before, uh, but he was actually in captivity for 17 months. He was beaten, uh, went through all the similar challenges uh, with Saddam. And yet, imagine what he's going through now. Because it's one thing to go through it with you and your best friend. Right? You're just there, and you're just suffering for the Lord, and you're writing scriptures on the wall, and you're depressed, and you're fired up, and you're praying, and, you know, I saw a picture uh, yesterday, which I'm not really allowed to show you um, for safety, but there was, you know, it was his family, four kids. They were in a small apartment, and it looked all dingy and disturbing. And I was just like, wow, imagine to be an doll. You know, you, you go through this as a by yourself, and now you're going through it with your wife and your kids. You know, for those of you with families, that's a whole different thing. You know, you could do whatever you want to me, but man, if, you, if it's all of us, that's a whole different level. You know, so right now, uh, you know, we were talking on Wednesday about our special missions, and, you know, we're super proud of the church over the past... 25 years we've been able to give about 20% of our income as Dwayne shared every year Uh, we've been able to really uh, blow out our goal you know it's amazing you know uh, what God has been able to do through us but right now uh, that doesn't really mean anything for him we could have all the money in the world it won't help him because we can't get it to him You know, what he needs from us is our prayers. You know, it's been a disturbing week for some of us this week. I know for me. Thinking about we're doing our thing, we're going to weddings, and they're over there trying to figure out where they're going to be. And I don't say that to make you feel guilty, but I say that because we're family. So when they hurt, we hurt. You know, this year as we give our missions, I want to hurt too. Giving 10 times, that doesn't hurt. I've been saving up for 12 months. I know exactly how much that is a month. That's not any, even close to what he's going through. You know, I want to share in that just a little. Mostly by prayer, but by giving as well. You know, I pray that we can never lose track of what we're doing. Some of us, we've, we've given X amount of dollars that you probably shouldn't try to figure out how much you've given. If you have for 20 years, it'll make you struggle. But sometimes we forget why. Why? You think the first church they sold property and did all those things because they were supposed to? Because there was a goal? No, they were family. You know, I pray that as we consider our contribution this year, that we'll think about our family, but we'll go beyond that. That we'll we'll start praying. Because right now, what are, what are we trying to figure out? We're trying to figure out, okay, should, should they leave the country? I mean, the Bible says when you're persecuted in one place, do you, do you flee to another. So should they all leave? And then on the other side, you go, well, if, if they all leave, then who's there that's going to help everyone else? Spiritually. Then we have no church in Syria. You know, those are the things that we need prayers for. What do we do? What do we do? Not just in, all over the Middle East, all over the, the world. And even in our own lives. That we're in we're situations where we're like, I don't know what to do, but God does. And I pray that that will drive us to our knees. You know, we want everyone to be connected in their heart this year to what you give. I had some other things I want to say about that, but I'm going to say them another time, because I want us to be connected in our prayers and in our heart first before we start talking anything else. So I'm skip those. But today we're talking about new beginnings. We're talking about Jesus being in a powerful position to help. That he's paved the way. He's given us the bridge. He wants us to walk across. He's given us the ability to change. And he's given us, he has a vision for your life that you can't even imagine. And I pray that today that you're motivated to pray about that, to look for that, to search after God like you have never done before. I pray that you appreciate the person sitting to your right and your left those relationships that Jesus died for. And it's not just my church friends, it's my family. Here in desert cities, around the Inland Empire, in L.A., and in the Middle East. That Jesus came that we could have life and have it to the full. He came that he could be with us for all eternity. So Let's pray as we take our communion together. And appreciate what he's done. Father, we thank you so much for just your, your heart to, to, to give us another chance. Your heart to give us new lives, to give us a vision for our lives. God, thank you for the relationship that we get to have with you that makes it all possible. Thank you for your son that laid down his life for us. Who shed his body and his blood to show us how much he was willing to do for us. God, I pray that that will never get old that that will continually inspire us until we get with you someday. Maybe we'll see you coming down in the clouds. That would be pretty cool. God, I pray in a special way for Nadal and his family and everyone in Syria that you guide them, that you lead them, that you give them the ideas of what to do and how to do it, that your spirit will guide them into greater glory than they could even imagine. I pray that you be with them and their doubts and their questions and their wonderings, God, as I know I'd have a lot. I pray that you will help them to see your goodness and your plan for their lives. And and really that the heroes uh, that they are to you and to us. God, we love you. We thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen.